Welcome to Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. What does it take to lead yourself and your teams to high performance with ease? Today, you'll discover simple practices that separate exceptional leaders from the rest. Now, here is your host, Nicole Bendeley. Hi there. Welcome to this episode of Leading on Purpose. I'm Nicole Bendeley. Today's episode is all about experiencing greater joy at work greater joy in your work, and what you as a leader can do to help yourself and your team members experience greater joy on a daily basis. And I don't know about you, but I could certainly use more joy right now, given everything we are experiencing in the world right now. Now, before we jump in to learning all about joy and how to experience more of it through your work, I want you to do me a favor. I'd like you to, if you're able to, close your eyes. Certainly don't close your eyes if you're driving or operating any sort of a vehicle. Um, But if you're able to, just close your eyes. And if not, that's all right. You can do this with your eyes open as well. And I'd like you to think of a time when you felt deep, deep joy. And just bring up that memory. Step right into that memory, that experience where you felt an incredible sense of joy, right? So step right back into that memory. See what you saw, hear what you heard, and just let that feeling of joy wash right over you and stay in that feeling just for a few seconds longer. Feel that feeling of joy. Let it envelop you just for a few more seconds. All right. Now slowly come back to the present moment. Didn't that feel amazing? Didn't that feeling of joy just feel joyful, (laughs) incredible, right? And isn't it amazing that you can evoke that feeling of joy or any feeling for that matter, just by pausing for a few seconds and stepping into a memory where you experience that feeling. You can do that at any point in your day. You can choose to evoke a feeling just by stepping into a memory that brought you that feeling. And now I have a question for you. Was that joyful memory you evoked a memory of you working? A memory of you at work? Chances are it wasn't, right? Chances are it was a memory with family or friends. A time when you felt really connected to someone or something that you were doing. A time when you were laughing or felt carefree or were simply in awe of the meaningful experience you were having that brought you great joy. When I do this same exercise with groups, large groups of leaders, and I asked them to raise their hand if they thought of a memory at work. It is very rare that anybody raises their hand. We unfortunately don't equate joy with work, especially today, but rather work is equated with perhaps a sense of fulfillment and accomplishment. Or on the other hand of the spectrum, or other end of the spectrum, I should say, it's sometimes and more often today equated with overwhelm, 
with stress and burnout. And I think it's safe to say that many, many people would argue that experiencing joy in work is the exception and not the norm. We may even believe that true joy is saved for moments outside of work. Like I said, time with family and friends and new experiences. Increasing joy in work certainly rarely appears on an organization's to-do list or strategic plan. But addressing low engagement scores and improving performance often do. So why not joy? Because joy in work is directly tied to engagement and performance, and most importantly, mental health and well-being. So what if joy in work were the norm and not the exception? Imagine, imagine the workplace, the relationships and results your team would create when experiencing true joy, that feeling that you just felt on a regular basis. In fact, Dr. Edward Demings once said, and this is my favorite quote, one of my favorite quotes, I should say, management's overall aim should be to create a system in which everybody may take joy in his work, in their work. Deming promoted the idea that every employee should be able to achieve joy at work and that joy would lead to improved quality in a high-performance organization. So joy in work isn't just this idea that is lofty and doesn't directly tie to results. There is a direct tie there. And someone like Deming saying, management's overall aim should be to create a system in which everybody may take joy in their work. Joy in work or lack thereof not only impacts individual engagement and satisfaction, but it's central, central to your team's ability to thrive and to them starting their day, wherever they may be, whether it's at work or at home, excited and motivated to make a difference every day. Joy is central to an individual's desire to challenge themselves, to reach and surpass their goals, and to their ability to develop meaningful and trusting relationships with those they work with and serve. You know, with this pandemic, it's interesting, my husband shared this this saying with me that for some reason I hadn't heard before. It's, you know, are we working from home or are we living at work? And too many people feel like they're living at work. And if we're living at work, man, should we be experiencing joy. And too few, peop- too, too few people are experiencing joy today. So what is joy? What is it? Well, first of all, it's one of my favorite words. It's a beautiful, beautiful word. But joy is truly about being connected to meaning and purpose and is a feeling of just this great happiness, right? And so really think about it. How, do you, how often do you experience this at work, in your work? How often do you think your team members feel joy through their work? Because if you aren't experiencing joy in your work, your team members likely are not either. Interestingly, 
It's the healthcare industry that is taking the lead in increasing joy in work. The Institute for Healthcare Improvement is, for example, is focusing on improving joy in work in hospitals and health systems across the U.S. because they know their research shows that greater joy in work will directly combat the burnout crisis and nursing shortage and will directly result in the delivery of safer and better quality patient care. And so as a leader, it's important to understand the factors that lead to greater joy. And there are, in fact, four of them. Um, And some of them are derived from the Institute for Healthcare Improvements, Joy in Work. And I really, really encourage you to just Google that. Google IHI Joy in Work Framework and pull it up. It's an amazing practical framework that you can apply to the teams you lead. So that's a really beneficial resource to you. But right now, I want to go through the four factors and what you as a leader can do to help ensure you and your team members are experiencing greater joy. So the first factor, joy is derived through strong social relationships. So here's a little spoiler alert for you. Working in isolation or in a team in which there is a breakdown of trust and respect or where people feel alone and left to fend for themselves, this results in feelings of overwhelm and stress. And of course, leads to higher levels of of disengagement. People experience joy. Think about it. You likely experience joy when you are connected to other people, right? When you feel a part of a collaborative group of people, where there's a high degree of trust, a high degree of respect, a sense of camaraderie, right? In which team members support one another and challenge one another to be their best selves. And this is just becoming so much harder to achieve. The longer we experience this pandemic, the impact of working remotely is this, it's just taking its toll on so many people and on many, many teams. In the work I do with teams and the team development, you know, processes or in when I'm coaching individuals, I am increasingly hearing comments like, man, I feel disconnected. Or I feel like I'm always the last to know. I feel out of the loop. I miss my teammates. I miss our, our, our rituals. I miss grabbing a coffee, an impromptu coffee. I miss the little things or I'm tired, I'm exhausted, I don't have the motivation I once did, I'm feeling, I'm feeling like why bother? People are experiencing a great amount of fatigue and stress and experiencing Zoom fatigue or WebEx fatigue or whatever, you know, (laughs) technology you're meeting, you're using to meet virtually. Gone are the days of having Zoom drinks with friends. That novelty has gone, at least in my social group. People cannot be bothered anymore. We want face-to-face human connection, human interaction. So if you're leading a team that is still working remotely and and you're noticing that that the morale is stagnant, 
right? People are showing up and just getting by. People are in survival mode. There's not that chit chat, chatter, you know, uh, let's, let's spend some time just catching up. If you're not noticing that, then there's probably a need for greater connection, right? If your team members are craving stronger social relationships, connectedness and camaraderie, this is absolutely a place for you to focus because without those social relationships at work, people cannot derive joy through their work. So one way to, one way to start, if this is a, an area of opportunity for you, start by taking a fresh look at your team meetings. Look at them through fresh eyes. You know, it's really interesting because at the beginning of the pandemic, when teams were thrust into, you know, this remote life, um, there was over communication, right? In fact, I wrote a Forbes article right after the uh, pandemic hit or right after teams were sort of thrust into this remote working world on uh, how to lead you know, your remote teams in this new world that we're living in. The Forbes article was all about over-communicating, right? And at that time, people, teams immediately instituted, you know, daily or every other day team meetings to check in and stay connected, right? Teams were over-communicating, over-connecting, really leveraging all of their apps like Slack or what have you to stay connected. Well, now the pendulum has swung to the other, to the other way in my experience where team members are meeting less. It may not feel like that because you're in meetings 24-7, it feels like, but it's meetings about the work, about work. Whereas at the beginning of the pandemic, there were meetings to check in, see how you're all doing, have some, you know, catch up time, coffee chats, for example, right? And those days I have noticed are gone and yet people are now craving it. So take a fresh look at your team meetings and ask yourself and your teams for that matter, how can we adapt our team meetings so that we can create the connections that we feel we are losing? And it really doesn't have to be complicated or time-consuming. So some ideas, and I share them, just search Forbes, Nicole Bendeley, and you'll see my article um, in Forbes about working remotely. I share a number of ideas there, but there are some simple, simple ways to build greater connection in the work in your regular team meetings. So one way, and I highly recommend this, is starting with one-word check-ins. Okay, this isn't about this in one word. Just go around your team at the beginning of the meeting. Everybody shares one word to describe how they're feeling in that moment. You don't even need to talk about how people are feeling. It just gives people the space to express how they're feeling in that moment. That gives you the leader the cue or other team members cues to pick up the phone and call somebody if they're feeling disconnected or pick up the phone or text or email or what have you. If somebody says they're overwhelmed, ask what you can do. Right? So it's really important to know the state of mind, the emotional state that your team members are in. Start with one word check ins. 
Another way to create greater connection through your team meetings is to, instead of jumping right in to your status updates, and if your team meetings are solely about status updates and that's it, then it's time to rethink your team meetings because there is no joy (laughs) derived solely through status updates. I can tell you that much. So look at maybe asking a question that sparks dialogue and understanding of one another. So here are some questions that some of my favorite questions that I've used. What two feelings do you want to feel more of right now? What an amazing question. What two feelings do you want to feel more of right now? And have your team members share and talk about the two feelings they want to feel more of. What does a great day look like for you? Do you, re- do you know what a great day looks like for your team members? Have you asked that question? Do your team members know what makes a great day for their colleagues? What do you miss most about the pre-COVID work life? What can we do to reinstate some of that? Have meaningful dialogue in your team meetings to build connection. Simply ask your team members what they feel that they need to do in order to create greater connection, because it's also not just on you to create that. And then one of my favorite books through this pandemic has been Chris Littlefield's book, who is, by the way, a previous guest. So search Chris Littlefield in my podcast, and it was an amazing episode. His latest book, 75 Plus Team Building Activities for Remote Teams, chock full of great exercises you can use. Use a 15-minute exercise every two weeks. One that he includes in his book is TED Talk Tuesdays. Choose a TED Talk that's inspiring and then talk about it, right? So that's the first factor. Joy is derived through strong social relationships. And we're going to continue to explore joy when we return. Stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. One of the many things this past year made clear is that the world of work has been forever changed. And it is especially evident in the way leaders must now lead if they want the best from their people. At the Waterstone Culture Institute, we provide leaders with the tools and practices most essential to high-performing teams and cultures. Discover the three things the most effective leaders will do in 2021 with our free webinar. Visit waterstonehc.com slash culturewebinar and watch it today. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for the power of young people to change the world. Hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. The Lord Jesus Christ presents a doctrine through the Apostle Paul for us so that we might teach the word to others. Hear and interpret these words of wisdom each week on the radio program, Why Paul? 
with hosts Michael and Michelle Mix and Pamela Lampton through their ministry, 14th Street Ministries. Michael, Michelle, and Pamela are dedicated to sharing these words with you so that you might pass it along to others. Listen every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Discover more about Nicole and how the team at Waterstone Human Capital helps leaders to build high-performance teams and cultures at WaterstoneHC.com. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. All right, welcome back. So before break, we were talking about how important social relationships are to experiencing joy. And so I really encourage you to, you know, this afternoon, first thing tomorrow at your next team meeting, just ask your team members, what do they think, what do they need in order to experience more connectedness, more camaraderie, right? Or what is it that they're missing from the pre-COVID work life? Um, And what can we do as a team to experiencing more of that? So the next factor is joy is derived through responsibility and meaningful work. Demonstrating trust in your team members by engaging them in challenging work that stretches them and that is meaningful to them will result in greater joy in that work. Especially, and I want to underscore the word meaningful, especially when that work is meaningful and results in a positive impact for the organization and those they serve. You know, in our, at Waterstone, in our Building High Performance Teams and Cultures program, we focus on the five attributes that drive high-performing cultures. Their psychological safety, accountability, meaning, impact, and continuous learning. And accountability and meaning. Building accountability and unlocking meaning, that's where we can derive real joy at work. So let's start with how to build accountability, and then let's look at connecting people to meaningful work. So what's accountability? Accountability occurs when leaders create a collaborative environment where team members are empowered to be proactive and to look for opportunities to contribute, to move the team and organization forward. That requires an environment where team members want to be committed, where they're highly engaged. And in order for your team members to demonstrate greater accountability, they need to be empowered to do so. Empowering others requires that leaders step out of the center of the circle and enable their team members to step up and take on more. In an accountable team, the leader taps the wealth of knowledge, skills, experiences, talents, passions available in their team by regularly inviting input, by asking questions, by sharing decision-making, 
and enabling team members to solve problems on their own through their own creative thinking and problem-solving abilities. This resulting sense of ownership for the work of the team as a whole leads team members to become more accountable for taking the lead, for being proactive, for initiating continuous improvement and identifying and implementing better ways of doing things. This all leads to a greater sense of joy and far greater engagement and productivity. On the flip side, accountability is weak when when leaders practice the habit of what I call prescribing solutions. It's an easy habit to fall into. I fall into it myself, right? It's this knee-jerk reaction that's caused often due to a lack of time. When a team member comes to you with an issue, for example, it's often far easier to simply tell that, that person how to solve the issue or to take the issue from the team member and run with it on your own. But when accountability and empowerment are strong, not only do people experience it more joy, but they're able to, and they are enabled by the leader to uncover solutions to the issues themselves. Because the leader doesn't prescribe solutions, they ask questions to help their team member tap into their own ideas, their own solutions and own critical thinking abilities. What's the benefit of first asking questions? It might seem like it'll take you a lot of time, but the benefit is huge. Asking questions first helps others uncover options and ideas themselves. They are enabled and encouraged to tap into their own thinking, their own experience, their own perspective, as opposed to relying on the leader to do it for them. You're also showing your team members that you value their opinions, that you trust in their ability to manage situations and solve problems themselves, and that you are committed to their growth. You know, in previous podcasts, I've talked to you about building trust, right? And there are a number of components that are required to build trust. And one of those components is showing that you care. And we show we care when we show that we value the contributions of others. We show we care when we show that we value people's perspectives, that we trust them and their ability to solve problems, We show we care when we ask for people's input and we show that we value their opinion. It's not about agreeing. It's about showing that we value their opinion. So building accountability is not just about delegating work. It's showing that you care and showing that you value others' opinions and talents and skills. And when people are empowered to use their talents and skills, that's when they experience joy in work. You know, I recently had the opportunity to work with a group of nurse managers who readily talked about the challenges of being the go-to person for issues, right? And I'm sure you're the same as a leader. Leaders are the go-to people to solve issues. And 
in the, the units of these nurse managers, team members trusted, right? They trusted that it was the nurse manager. It was their job to solve problems. And they trusted that their nurse manager would, would, would solve the problem for them, right? And so the tendency on the part of the nursing manager was to take the issue on themselves to solve rather than delegating back, throwing the ball back to the individual. The temptation to be the problem solver was really strong, right? It appeared to save time. It allowed the managers to maintain control and it let them demonstrate their value and ability to solve problems to help others, right? Part of their identity and part of the identity of many leaders is I'm the problem solver. I'm the fix it person. I need to have all of the answers. If I don't solve the problem, I will be I will be seen as maybe not a great manager. But these nurse managers also acknowledge the downsides of being the fixer, the problem solver, the go-to, you know, to solve issues. Failure to delegate led to heavier workloads. And for some, the feeling that they had to have all of the answers all of the time was a huge burden and stress inducer. Once these nurse managers realized, however, that the role of the leader isn't to have all of the answers, that in fact, the most effective leaders don't actually solve all the problems. They first help their team members to solve problems for themselves by tapping into their own skills, their own experiences and knowledge to generate their own unique ideas and solutions. And once these nurse managers realize this, the thought of letting go of the role of problem solver became just this great sense of relief. The realization that they could let go while at the same time help others to grow and strengthen their critical thinking and empowerment and accountability while creating greater engagement, this was a significant realization for this group of nurse managers that I was working with. Because think about it, no one person can possibly or should possibly have all the answers. You know, it was interesting. I was, um, this was many years ago, uh, I was at a conference. I was speaking at a conference and Sir Ken Robinson was speaking at the conference as well. And he was sharing an experience he had sharing the stage with the Dalai Lama. And he shared this experience and at one point, I guess it was through the Q&As of, of this, of this uh, session, he was on a panel with the Dalai Lama. Somebody asked the Dalai Lama a question. And the Dalai Lama paused and gave it a little bit of thought and responded, I don't know. What do you think the answer is? You likely have far better insight into that than I do. What do you think? So if the Dalai Lama can say, I don't know, what do you think? Certainly, we as leaders can say, I don't know, what do you think more often? It is freeing, it shows vulnerability, and most important, it shows that you want to hear other people's perspectives. No one person can and should have all the answers. The role of the leader is not to have all the answers. It is to enable their team members 
to tap into their diverse skills, talents, and perspectives to come up with the best solutions to move the organization forward. And when the leader does this well, that's when the collective team and individuals experience greater joy. One of the tricks to enabling greater accountability is to simply get in the habit of asking questions, right? Ask a question first and minimize that knee-jerk reaction many of us have to telling people what to do and prescribing solutions. You know, I use this um, coaching model and in order to build accountability, I highly, highly encourage you to have far more coaching conversations. And, you, you know, ask yourself, first of all, how many, how many questions do you ask on a daily basis? Do you ask more questions? Do you ask questions more or do you tell more? right? Are you, are you making statements and directing more than you're asking questions? So notice over the next few days, how many questions are being asked in your team? And so when we have coaching conversations, coaching conversations build accountability because in a coaching conversation, it's all about you, the leader, asking questions, and it's the individual that you're having a coaching con- conversation with. They're the ones accountable for coming up with the ideas and solutions. You're helping them do that. Now, a lot of leaders that I work with and coach say, well, I don't have time to coach. Well, you know what? I, I understand that 100%. We are all strapped for time. Coaching does not have to be an hour-long conversation. We can have coaching conversations in the actual work, in everyday conversations. It's simply about asking questions first. And coaching conversations are no longer nice-to-haves. It's just not, it's just, they're not options. They are table stakes in today's day and age where people do not want to be um, overly directed. They want ownership of their work. And so we can help build that through coaching conversations. And so I want to introduce you to the GROW model, the GROW coaching model. It's a simple four-step process to having a quick coaching conversation. You can Google it, look it up. It's super easy to use. GROW stands for goal. That's the first step. Reality is the second step of the conversation. Options is the third step and way forward. The first part of the conversation is about establishing the goal. When somebody comes to you with an issue, right, they're in the issue mindset. They're focused on the problem. The first step is to get really clear on what is it that we want to achieve here? What does a good outcome look like? What is the goal? Ask questions to help the individual and you clarify what the outcome looks like, what the best solution might look like. What is it that we're trying to achieve here? Move from an issue to a goal. Once you get clear on what that goal is, then you can move to options or sorry, reality. Explore the current reality. Ask questions like, well, what have you done so far to solve the problem? Tell me a little bit about the current situation. What's working? What's not? 
Tell me more about the issue that you're facing. Ask questions to clarify the current state of things. Because oftentimes when somebody comes to us with a problem, we make our own assumptions as far as what that problem really is. And those assumptions we make impact the solutions we come up with. We want to have a fulsome dialogue to better understand the reality of this problem or of this goal. And to do that, we need to ask questions to help our, ourself and the person we're speaking with better understand the reality. Then once you have a full picture of the goal and the current state, move to options. What's one thing you could do right now to move closer to that goal? What have you done in the past that led you closer to a goal like this? If you could do five things to reach this goal, what might they be? And here, after you've asked questions, you can share your advice. This isn't about not sharing your own advice as a leader or your own experience. It's about asking questions first. So get some options on the table. That's the O part of the GROW model. And then finally, it's way forward. All right, we've got these five options. Where are you going to start? Which option will you start with first? When will you complete it and by when? And what help do you need from me? Goals, goal, reality, option, way forward. Four-step structured conversation, dialogue, coaching dialogue that builds accountability for running with the problem solving and for implementing the next steps. How many times has somebody come to you with an issue and then you just end up spinning your wheels talking about the issue and next thing you know, 30 minutes has gone by and you're no, not a step closer to understanding the problem or actually solving it. The GROW model gives you a structure to do that. So feel free to email me, reach out to me. I'm happy to provide you with a template that you can use um, to have these coaching conversations. Now, we derive joy through greater responsibility, right? And accountability. That's where asking questions, that's where the GROW model, having coaching conversations comes in and inviting people to contribute But that's just one side of the coin. We derive joy through meaningful work as well. Can't just be random (laughs) tasks that have no meaning. We will not derive joy from that. So when we get back from our next break, we'll talk about unlocking meaning so people can derive far greater joy in their work. We'll be right back. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. One of the many things this past year made clear is that the world of work has been forever changed, and it is especially evident in the way leaders must now lead if they want the best from their people. At the Waterstone Culture Institute, we provide leaders with the tools and practices most essential to high-performing teams and cultures. Discover the three things the most effective leaders will do in 2021 with our free webinar. Visit waterstonehc.com slash culturewebinar and watch it today. 
Things Worth Considering, featuring host Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis, is a program that's all about connections. The connections we make with our families, our workplaces, friends, and others around us. It's also about connections to ourselves, spirit, feelings, and stories. Let us connect with you each week to explore who we are and what we can be moving forward. We can overcome the obstacles that stand in our way. Things Worth Considering airs live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. The White House Doctor Makes House Calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned into Leading on Purpose with Nicole Bendeley. Discover more about Nicole and how the team at Waterstone Human Capital helps leaders to build high-performance teams and cultures at WaterstoneHC.com. Now, back to Leading on Purpose. All right, welcome back. We're talking about joy in work. You know, it's a central theme uh, is creating greater joy and connecting people to meaningful work. Um, It's a central theme of our Building High Performance Teams and Cultures program at Waterstone Human Capital. And so if you want to learn more about that, because we spend an entire day it's a three-day program that we deliver virtually or in person, and we spend an entire day on accountability and meaning because there is so many, it's so essential, and there are a number of tools and strategies you can use to incorporate into your daily work to do so. So if you're interested in helping your leaders uh, build greater accountability and connect people to meaningful work, then then check out waterstonehc.com in our Building High Performance Teams and Cultures program. So we were talking about joy and accountability, and that's just right one side of the coin. Joy is also derived through meaningful work. And there's the rub, (laughs) because what's meaningful to one person may not be meaningful to the next. So as a leader, it is absolutely critical that you spend time understanding what matters most to each of your team members so that you can connect them to meaningful work, right? And and you can demonstrate how their individual contributions make a difference to the organization and the team. You know, too often team members don't see how their work connects to the vision of the organization. And that's your role as the leader to make those connections for them, to regularly demonstrate, show, appreciate, right? How each person and your overall team's work directly contributes to the overall organization's performance and the achievement of the organization's vision. 
because oftentimes people can't just make the connection themselves. You know, I, th- I think I've shared this story before, but I'm gonna, it's worth sharing again. There's a story of, of you know, a, a gentleman walking down the street and he notices three bricklayers. And he asks the first bricklayer, what are you doing? And the bricklayer responds, oh, I'm laying bricks. Oh, great. He keeps going along the, along the block and encounters the, the next bricklayer. And he asks that bricklayer, what are you doing? And the bricklayer says, I'm building a wall. Oh, wonderful. He keeps going along to the next bricklayer. And he asks the same question of that bricklayer. What are you doing? And that bricklayer replies, I'm building a cathedral. So do your team members know Do they feel like they're building a cathedral or do they feel like they're laying bricks? The more people can see themselves in the vision, the more joy they will derive through the work that contributes to that vision, right? So, you know, the IHI framework, just to get back to that for a second, lays out four steps that you can follow to really understand and connect people to meaningful work. So I encourage you to Google that. I'm going to share some of them here with you. But the first step is asking your people, what matters most to you at work? If you don't have the answer to that question, then that is an important place to start. The IHI suggests asking These four questions, actually. What matters most to you at work? What makes a good day for you? What makes you proud to work here? And when we are at our best, our team, what does that look like? You know, just like I had suggested that you you look at your team meetings with fresh eyes, look at your one-to-one meetings with fresh eyes. I've said this before, your time with your team members is incredibly valuable. And if you're only using your one-to-ones for status updates, then you're missing a huge opportunity. Your one-to-ones should be a dialogue. They represent an opportunity to actively build a collaborative relationship. And so look at carving out you know, five minutes at the beginning or five minutes at the end to asking meaningful questions that allow you to better understand your team members, to better understand what's meaningful to them and what matters most to them at work so that you can connect them to meaningful work. And that asking those questions also, again, shows that you care. Now, the third factor is joy is derived through our strengths, through using our strengths. So accounting does not make me happy. (laughs) For example, it is not a strength of mine and never will be, right? Anything to do with accounting makes me quite miserable. When I have to do it, I put my head down and do the best I can, but I definitely don't experience any form of joy Think about your team members for a minute. Are they in roles that play to their strengths and interests? Are they given opportunities to 
allow their strengths and unique gifts they bring to the team to shine? Or are they involved in projects that really just do not match their abilities and interests? When this happens, it can feel like a weight on their shoulders, a heavy burden that results in disengagement, insecurities, frustration, and overwhelm. I saw this in a very close friend of mine recently. Over the, you know, the past six months, she stepped up and took on more responsibility for her team that she was a part of. And these additional areas of responsibility did not represent her joy, what she was passionate about. She stepped in and took on more responsibility from an administrative perspective because there was a need and she wanted to help. But it didn't take long, you know, a month in for her to realize that this added stress of doing work that she found no joy in only added to her overwhelm And she just, you know, as a result, wanted to disengage, but she stayed with it as long as she could to, until she realized, you know what, this isn't the kind of work that brings me joy. I want to get back to what I love to do, which for, for her working directly with teams and supporting teams and not the administrative pieces. And so she took a step back. That required some soul searching, but first it was about noticing why am I feeling so stressed and so out of line, in disalignment. When we aren't connected to what we're passionate about and to our strengths, we will be in in misaligned and that will add greater stress, greater overwhelm. We will feel disengaged and we certainly won't experience joy. And so you want your team members to be using their superpowers, right? And be doing work that they feel passionate about, that play to their strengths, right? Do you even know? Do you know? I was just asked thinking about this myself. Do I know all of my team members' superpowers? Do you know your team members' superpowers? Do you know what their superpowers are at home and at work? You know, in one of our team development programs, team members get to share their superpowers with each other. And inevitably, the leaders and team members learn about new strengths and passions their team members have. But remember, it's one thing to have the information and it's quite another to use it. So here's an idea to create greater connection with your team. Simply ask your team to share their superpowers. And don't limit it to their superpowers at work. At an upcoming team meeting, ask your team members to share their superpowers. And take note. Be intentional in looping back and delegating work and empowering them. Remember to show you know exactly what their strengths are and how much you value their strengths. Sometimes you discover strengths and passions you never knew they had. Look for ways to incorporate them into their work. Right? But in order to do that, you need to be conscious and intentional and know what your team members' true strengths and passions are in order to really tap into them so that they can experience joy. Now, the final factor 
is that joy is derived through positive energy. This is the how full is your bucket rule of joy. For those of you who have had, you know, the pleasure of reading the children's book, How Full Is Your Bucket? Every interaction we have is an exchange of energy. We can either choose to fill people up or choose to deplete them. This doesn't mean every interaction is all rainbows and unicorns. No, we have difficult conversations at times. We have serious conversations, but nobody should be leaving the interaction feeling less than, feeling disrespected or devalued, right? Leaders bring the weather. A previous guest, Paul Boston, said that. Leaders bring the weather. Be sure you are choosing to create positive energy and building trust and respect and a climate that is healthy where people leave at the end of the day not feeling depleted because of their interactions with one another, but energized because of the interactions with one another. On a scale of one to 10, how excited are you to start work in the morning? How Would your team members rate it? How excited do you think they are to get started in the morning? If the majority of you and your team members respond with a high rating, there's likely a lot of positive energy. The climate is warm. It feels like home where people don't have to keep up their guard. But if it's a low low number, then it's a place where people are not experiencing a high degree of psychological safety And they are certainly not experiencing a climate where there's a lot of positive energy. And so they're not experiencing joy. They are feeling depleted. And so if this is the case for your team, I highly suggest taking note of how you're showing up every day, the energy you're bringing to the team, and look at ways to to support and create greater motivation and take a listen to the toxic teams episode because there are a number of great strategies and tools that I share in that episode to really create a sense of great psychological safety where people walk away feeling energized. They'll be tired because of the work, but it won't be team members depleting them. It will be team members that help them experience greater joy when it's a psychologically safe environment. And so with that, you know, my hope for you is that even in trying times that you're able to and your team members are able to experience joy through your work. And in order to do that, You need to lead yourself first as a leader and be very intentional in how you're showing up, how you're creating connections amongst your team members, and how much time you're taking to truly understand what matters to your team members and connecting them to meaningful work and tapping into their unique skills and perspectives by asking more questions. When you can do some of these things that I shared with you today and incorporate them into the work you're already doing, you'll see a great impact. You'll start to see people smiling more, being more proactive, more engaged, more motivated. Let's reconnect to joy at work and make it a norm and not an exception. So thank you so much. And we'll 
be back next week. Looking forward to it. Have a great week, everyone. Thank you for joining us this week. Please tune in again for another edition of Leading on Purpose with your host, Nicole Bendeley, on the Voice America Empowerment Channel next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a wonderful week.